Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, you're listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Yo, your boy Chris Cuomo, about that life. Who knew? Who knew? You saw the video, right? In case you missed it, you really need to head to Google and see the whole thing for yourself. But short version, Chris was out somewhere in New York. A man ran up on him and called him Fredo. So Chris Cuomo, the last name should give away that he's Italian. Chris didn't take too kindly to being called Fredo. He explained later, once the video went viral, that it's the equivalent of being called the N-word for Italians. We'll talk about that in a second. But he went the fuck off. It was the Italian equivalent of I wish a nigga would. He got in dude's ass. He threatened to throw him down some stairs. Like, about that life. Like, I knew he was like a, a beefy man. I watch his show sometimes. Those suits be fitted. You can tell this is the man who's, who's in the gym. I didn't know he was about that life. Now, I always like watching his show. Both my parents are CNN enthusiasts, so I was familiar with his show. I'd watch it when it was on, but it wasn't appointment TV for me. But now that I've seen Mr. Cuomo, he can hold his own. I've been looking at him a little different. And I don't mean no disrespect, because that's a married man with a tribe of children. I don't think it's appropriate to lust for another woman's husband. But, sir, he went from looking like a snack to a meal. I was like, oh, you're not something you grab on the go. You're something to be enjoyed leisurely. Hmm. Chris Cuomo. But dude ran up on him. He got Sir Cuomo's zip codes confused. I'm thinking he thought Chris got TV money. He got a wife and some babies. He's someone's husband, someone's father. He got a lot to lose. He ain't know Chris was about that life. Chris was like, let me take you back to Queens real quick. Tell you about my old zip code. His show is appointment TV now. I'm like, what time does he come on? Let me get on home or set up the DVR while I'm out. Make sure I get as much Chris Cuomo in my life as I can. The video went viral. He cursed that man the complete fuck out. Like, at least 10 F-bombs. Had him ready. I was like, let me find out Chris keeps his F-bombs in the chamber. I honest to God did not know white people could code switch like that. I didn't know they had to. But I was like, oh, your newscaster voice. That's an act. (laughs) You've shown us what you used to be. (laughs) What you might have to be on today. I'm so tickled by the whole thing. And I don't know if that's biology because I'm like, ooh, a man who can protect. Or if that's just dysfunction. Like, I'm drawn to a man with anger issues. I don't even know if it's proper to call that anger issues, though. Because, for real. Like, sir, you called the man out his name. Now, you can argue the degree of offense that he should have taken by being called Fredo. And we'll discuss that. Two seconds. But either way, you called a grown-ass man out his name. Trump had some things to say about it. And he was like, oh, Cuomo was an out-of-control animal. Sir, your whole inner circle ends up dead, indicted, or in prison. You are on camera talking about grabbing women by their vaginas. You would like to call someone else an out-of-control animal, sir. The pot or the kettle? Which one are you today? 
Y'all's president. Let's move on. Let's discuss whether Fredo equals the N-word. Cuomo says it does. I'm not too sure about that. But it's in the proximity. It's much more in the proximity than I think people are giving it credit for. And this is why. Assuming, which I really shouldn't, that you've seen The Godfather. I talked about Chris Cuomo and the Fredo reference on my Instagram page. And some poor soul was like, what is Fredo? I responded from The Godfather. And it's a fair question. I didn't see The Godfather until 21, 22. I was out of grad school when I saw it. So 22 probably. The movie came out before I was born. Godfather 1 came out in 72. I think the second one came out in 76. I wasn't born for either one of them. If you were much younger than me and you've never seen The Godfather, fair game. Parents should have introduced you to it. Mine failed on the job. Maybe yours did too. This is me telling you, take six to eight hours out of your life and go sit down and watch one and two. You can skip three. It's trash. It's worse than the last season of Game of Thrones. You really don't have to watch it unless you just want to see how the saga ends. But it's terrible. I'm warning you in advance. Okay. The woman on my Facebook page was like, oh, I thought it was from Lord of the Rings. Oh, baby girl, that's Frodo. That's, that's, that's not Fredo. That's two entirely different names, two entirely different illusions. And I can't even tell you what the illusion is to Frodo because I've never seen Lord of the Rings. Don't judge me. I'm just not into like that kind of fantasy stuff. Although I like Game of Thrones, so maybe I should be. Is it in that, that realm? I don't know. I say all that to say Fredo from The Godfather was a bitch. Sort of. If you watch The Wire, which to understand half of what I say, you need to. And I don't mean just in this podcast. I mean, in general, I quote The Wire or allude to The Wire in some form or fashion every 10 sentences. I can't help it. I love The Wire. Okay. Fredo was like D'Angelo Barksdale plus Wallace in the sense That he was a good person, but bad for his environment. Wallace and D'Angelo both don't make it on the wire for various reasons. And it's not because they're stupid overall. It's not because they're bad people. It's that they're actually good people. And if they'd been raised in the suburbs in a more nurturing environment that was conducive for them, they would have been fine. In that sense... Fredo was not built for the mafia. If he'd been born into a different family, he would have been fine. But he just couldn't survive in the world that he was in and the expectations of him as a son, as a man. He just, personality-wise, could not fulfill. Also, Fredo betrays the family. On a surface level, when you call someone Fredo, You're either calling them a bitch, a traitor, or a snitch. Those are things that are worthy of being offended by. Still, not the N-word. Here's where I think Cuomo gets the N-word comparison from. Fredo and the Corleone family are Sicilian. In Italy, definitely many moons ago, I don't know about current day, but many moons ago, Sicilians were looked at differently than Northern Italians. Many of the negative stereotypes that white folks apply to black folks 
are the same as Northern Italians applied to Southern Italians, i.e. Sicilians. So the idea that they are, are lazy, that they are ignorant, that they are loud, sound familiar? That's how many Northern Italians felt about Sicilians. To the point that when Southerners, Sicilians, would go to Northern Italy, Northerners would have signs that say, Southerners not welcome, we don't serve Southerners, we don't serve Sicilians. That said, I can see how Cuomo could make a comparison to the N-word. I still don't think it's the same thing because even with the mistreatment of Sicilians by Northerners, it still doesn't come with the weight of slavery, which the N-word has. And I hate to do some sort of oppression Olympics about who got it worse, because that's definitely not what I intend to do. I want to acknowledge that both Fredo and the N-word are slurs. I want to acknowledge that using them is both about making people feel less than and inferior to the user, but it's not the same. It's in the same vein. I don't think trying to drag Cuomo through the coals over the comparison is right. I think it's definitely important to note the distinction between the two, but he's not entirely off base. He's in the realm. He shot the arrow. It didn't hit the intended target, but it hit close. He's not that far off the mark on that one. I'm super glad that CNN is supporting Cuomo because he did the right thing. Social media often gives people this false sense of entitlement or big balls online that they don't have in real life. And it's deluded people to think that you can run up on folks you don't know and say whatever you want to them and think that they're not going to respond. To ignore someone on social media, to just, you know, block their page or just delete their comment, block the person, like very easy. But you run up on the wrong person at the wrong time. Cuomo's reaction is the minimum that you could get. He could have punched old boy right in the face and wouldn't have been that wrong. It wouldn't have been the right thing to do. I don't think that there'd be a big public outcry about him doing it. CNN couldn't blindly support him, but don't think he would have lost his show over it. He ran up on me and called me a slur. I punched him in his fucking face. What do you want? Don't do that no more. Let's move on. About Cuomo and to another topic. Never, never, ever did I think Nova Bordelone would have some redemption. But by golly gee whiz, the writers of Queen Sugar have impressed the hell out of me. Last night's episode, I'm not saying Nova can come to the cookout. I'm not saying I'll ever speak my business freely in front of her. I'm not even saying she'd be welcome in my home. But if there was a cookout, and somebody prepared a plate and then put another plate on top and wrapped it in foil and told me, here, take this on over to Nova's, I'd ring the doorbell and I'd drop it off to her. What she did for Charlie was the least she could have done 
given all the fucked up shit she's done just this season. You know, I'm going to talk about last season yet. Because she did good by Charlie last night. She went and got Charlie from the bar where Charlie was getting fucked up. At the point when the bartender is like, I think I need to cut you off. You're drunk. You're fucked up drunk. But Charlie was owed to meltdown. If all she does is just get wasted at the bar, that's not even a full meltdown to me. I've had some meltdowns. You got to get some screaming in there for it to be a full meltdown. That was light. But Charlie was fucked up at the bar. If anyone on that show deserved to get fucked up, Charlie. Davis cheats. She finds out about it because a video gets released while she's sitting at a basketball game. She did flip out then. Remember the first episode of Queen Sugar? Charlie is sitting at a professional basketball game and storms the damn court because she and everybody else in the stadium just found out her husband's a whore. She divorces this mofo after she finds out he had a whole girlfriend. He was a habitual whore. That same trifling ass ex-husband pops up with his outside baby at Charlie's house. We talked about that. He was like, I didn't know you were home. Sir, whether I'm home or not home, don't bring your outside kid to my house without speaking to me first. The mill got burnt down. I knew Charlie was due for a meltdown when dude popped up at the house and was like, you killed the migrant workers? That was you? And she was like, yeah, I did that shit. He was like, what do you have to say for yourself? Nothing. He was like, why didn't you tell me when I brought it up? I was ashamed. When people get down to you calling me out on my shit, I'm not even trying to bullshit you. They're at the end of the line. Dude came by, raised hell, and then walked out. And I was like, oh, yeah, Charlie ain't going to make it. Charlie ain't going to make it. Add on top of that, Nova's spilling all the family tea to anyone who could read. She never flipped out when Micah got arrested. Like, that's some shit. Her sister started dating her ex-man. All of these things on their own are reasons for people to lose it. And somehow Charlie never did. And then dealing with the crazy ass Landry's, the episode from last week when the white chick was like, oh, they always go step out and make some mulattoes, but they always come home. If Charlie had beat the brakes off that old bird, wouldn't nobody have blamed her? Well, the old bird had it coming. Charlie was overdue. I want her to have a full meltdown though. Because just drinking it away... Because I've done this. That All that does is dull the senses. You need to get the rage out. You got to like scream. You got to like hit something. Not someone. Something. Charlie needs a good primal scream. The wail at the end, like it was starting to come out. You just need a little more. You got to get the full power of whatever's in you. You got to get it out. You got to wail. Full wail. You got to get it all out. Get it all out. Speaking of getting it all out, I'm trying to get it all in. I just got my new box of Daily Harvest. I'm a foodie, but I'm usually not this excited about food that, like, gets delivered in a box. But I'd genuinely be excited. I came home today. I had to run a bunch of errands earlier and hit the gym. I've been in the gym hard body lately. The divorce being final. I told you I've been walking for, like, four miles. Now I'm, like, climbing level 22 on the Stairmaster. Something's going on. I'm trying to work it out. But I come home today, and my Daily Harvest box is there, and I'm, like, so excited. The Daily Harvest box is like the highlight of my day. I'm like, oh my God, my smoothies are here. My good breakfast returns. Now that warm weather is here, the last thing I want to do is spend my days trapped indoors, standing over a hot stove. There's so much to do in LA during the summer. I need the option to just eat and go. And that 
is one of the many things that I love about Daily Harvest. Daily Harvest delivers thoughtfully sourced chef-crafted food that is built on fruits and vegetables and can be prepared in less than five minutes. Each Daily Harvest cup takes one step to prepare with room for customization. Add your favorite milk to a smoothie and blend. Me personally, I prefer a little almond milk. You can put in there whatever you like. Or you can heat a harvest bowl and top it with avocado or fried egg. I have not tried that yet. It's on my list of things to do for tomorrow. I do have avocados because they're always in season in California and they're cheap. Avocados are 88 cents. The best part of Daily Harvest? Those single-serve cups are the ultimate grab-and-go meal or snack so I can get a dose of nourishing fruits and vegetables at any time of day. If you, too, would like to get your Daily Harvest on, you can. Go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code RESPECTABLE to get three free cups in your first Daily Harvest box. That's promo code RESPECTABLE. R-E-S-P-E-C-T, a bull, for three free Daily Harvest cups at dailyharvest.com. That's dailyharvest.com. Okay, back to our shenanigans. Have you been following these epic celeb vacations on Instagram? My faves have been yachting all over France and Italy. Steve and Marjorie on some gigantic yacht that's at minimum 350000 a week. They've been gone at least a week, maybe two. Marjorie just posted a video of their vacation on Instagram. It is everything. A woman spends money so beautifully. She and Steve and various family members popped in and out. They were in Capri. They were in Saint-Tropez. A couple other places. Absolutely beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous photos. Ugh. Someday. Someday. It may not be on a yacht. I may just have to take a couple plane rides and a little boat. I want to see all those places. And then there's grown folks vacay with Magic and Cookie, Holly Robinson Pete and her husband, LL Cool J and his wife, Erica and Kevin Lyles, and then... Nina Cooper, I don't know her husband's name. He's the CMO for BlackRock. In case you don't know what that is, translation, long money, long money. But they are cruising around. Khan, Pastiano, Saint-Tropez, their yacht is huge. All they do every day, drink well, eat well, dance, and stay up all night watching movies. It's the greatest vacation ever. On this big-ass yacht. Fabulous. Like, this is my idea of vacation. They went to the Chanel store in Saint-Tropez. Marjorie and Steve are on separate vacations. They did meet up with the other group in Saint-Tropez and took a couple pictures. But they both went to the Chanel store. There's a pool and a sitting area in the back of the Chanel store where the men can just hang out and relax while the wives shop inside. The wives can come out to get the credit cards if they don't want to use their own. It's fucking fabulous. And then the wardrobe, the fashions. Ah, oh, Erica Lyles is one of the best dressed women on Instagram. That woman loves Dolce & Gabbana. 
I think it's unpopular to wear right now. I can't keep up with which European brand has offended people. However, the wardrobe, it's just, it's out of this world. It's absolutely out of this world. And watching these vacations, one of the first thoughts that popped in my head was, God, I miss Suede Magazine. God, it came out in 2004, 2005, maybe. I was still working at BET. Four issues. It was like Black Vogue. It was one of the greatest magazines for black women I've ever seen. It was upscale. It was luxurious. You know how I talk about how like Marjorie Harvey spends money so well? Suede highlighted that lifestyle. It was, it was amazing. And they spent a ton of money on it. In fact, they spent the entire year's budget on those four issues. And I think that's why it closed. Fun fact, when I was working at BET, I applied for a job at Suede. And I actually got the job. It was as an assistant editor. And was preparing to give two weeks notice at BET. And then Suede closed. I would have been so fucked. So fucked. But God takes care of babies and fools. I was probably 25 at the time. So baby, thanks. So I didn't get stuck with no job. But yeah. I miss Suede. Because Suede would have been documenting this entire vacation. They would have been had a story on Marjorie Harvey planning holidays for the family. They would have been had access to Erica Lyles' closet. You know what else they would have had? They would have been covered Shannon Sharp and his bag collection. Don't nobody got bags like Shannon Sharp. That man's Louis collection is sick. It's out of this world. I miss Suede. I was talking about this on Facebook the other day and people were like, so why don't you found your own version of Suede? Because print is dead. I don't know if a website would do it justice. It could. Let me think on that. Me and Helena Andrews been talking about this concept for like ever in a day. Now I want to call her and be like, sis, remember that thing we've been talking about for like 10 years? Probably need to get on it at some point. You know, we need funding. We need somebody to underwrite this whole thing. Who does luxury? Let's figure this out. I kind of miss my editorial days. Have you been watching The Boys on Amazon Prime? I personally think it's a terrible title for a show. Because I'm like, The Boys? What does that mean? Like, like, what are the boys doing? Tell me something about The Boys. Like, this is not intriguing. But I was flipping through Amazon Prime one night. I saw the show, and I saw Laz Alonzo was in it. He is... I did him a solid once. He did me a solid once. And we always speak when we see each other. He's good people. Many, many years ago, I got him into essence as it wasn't single man of the month. It was a roundup of like hot Hollywood types or something like that. But I got him a full spread in essence. Months later, my book was coming out. I was doing a pop-up party for the BET Awards. I called him and was like, hey, I need a solid. Can you host my book party? And he was like, sure. Tell me when I got you. Not only did he show up, he went and bought a copy of the book and read it before the event and then talked about it at the intro. So I sold tons of books that day because everyone was like, oh my God, one, Laz Alonzo is here. And two, oh my God, Laz Alonzo reads your book. Good dude. Really, really nice guy. Love him to pieces. So anyway, 
I see that Laz and Lonzo is in this show. I ran into him at ABFF and I was telling him like I moved to LA and he was like, yo, I'm never there. I've been in Toronto shooting for like ever. And I'm sure I must have asked what he was shooting. But if he said the boys, it's never something that would have stood out in my head. So I see that he's in the show. And I was like, oh, I wonder if this is the show that he's working on. It sounds okay. Let me give it a click. Give it a stream and a download. Support the homie. So it's loosely a show about what if we treated superheroes the way we treat reality stars? And then what is the dark side to that? It's a really interesting concept. There's a lot of plot. It's very intertwined. And I don't want to give anything away. But if you're into superheroes, especially if you like X-Men, which I really, really, really do. If you're interested in that and you just want to see Laz Alonzo looking like a buffet. Not a snack. Not a meal. A buffet. That's at least two plates. At least two. You should give it a whirl. I don't think Lash shows up until like episode two or three. But once he arrives, ma'ams and sirs, ma'ams and sirs. And just FYI, I'm not getting paid for that drop. It's just a good show. I watched all eight episodes in a week. It seems that we need to talk about Jay-Z and his new deal with the NFL. A lot of challenging words for Sohova, Beyonce's husband. People aren't really feeling this latest collaboration. I wish I could tell you what the deal is, but the details seem pretty fuzzy. I've looked in a bunch of places trying to figure out exactly what this deal entails. I'm coming up blank. The best I can get is Rock Nation will lead the NFL's endeavors in sports and social justice. What does that mean exactly? Jay-Z is producing the halftime show now? Is it the same halftime show that he turned down last year on some You Need Me, I Don't Need You? Is this the same halftime show that he asked Travis Scott not to perform at? I'm unclear. This is the best that I got, and it's from ESPN. Rock Nation did a press conference at their offices and an ESPN reporter was present. Through music and entertainment, Rock Nation is going to amplify the league's Inspired Change Initiative for Social Justice. And there is the opportunity to potentially accomplish big things and uplift many in communities that are important to Jay-Z. Now look, My undergrad degree is in English, specifically writing language and rhetoric. So with good training, I'm going to tell you straight that that's a whole lot of words to essentially say they cut me a check and I'm trying to figure something out, but nothing's set in stone. He's a figurehead. And this is where he loses me because he says at the press conference, and this is a quote, Colin's whole thing was to bring attention to social injustice. In that case, this is the next phase. What is this? I don't know what this is. What, what, are you, what exactly are you doing, sir? I'm not, I'm not clear. Also, I think it's notable to mention here 
Jay-Z was like, oh, I talked to Colin about this. Did you? Because Colin's camp told TMZ, we ain't talked to Hove. We, we heard from him. We had no conversations with him. Like, we don't know what he's talking about. There, there's been no discourse. No such thing did happen or occur. And now Colin, Colin is a classy man. He didn't respond directly to Jay-Z, but he did note via his social media that today is the three-year anniversary of when he began his social justice movement to bring attention to racial injustice and the mistreatment of black folk by the police in America. He just pointed out the timeline. He didn't point out that this is also the day that Jay-Z, who's been a vocal public defender of me, happens to announce a deal with the NFL that I have nothing to do with. He didn't say that. He just pointed out the time frame. His lady, Nessa, I like Nessa. I did a good interview with her many years ago when I was on that show. We had a good conversation about the perception of black women and how women with boundaries are perceived as bitchy. I think it's available on YouTube. But Nessa, she didn't take the high road. Nessa got in Jay-Z's ass. If you're not in New York, you may not be familiar with who Nessa is. She's on Hot 97. She's a host. Beautiful girl, but she's much more than eye candy. She got a brain and a whole lot to say. She pointed out all the work that her man has been doing. She pointed out that Colin has been, quote, wrongfully kept unemployed by a league that uses different PR looks to cover up the fact that they are actively keeping him out. So until that league does right by Colin, none of these looks mean a damn thing. She goes on to say, I don't care if you are in your feelings because I used all, all caps, of my platforms to hold your idol accountable from my post here to my daily afternoon show on NYC's very own Hot 97. I'm not scared of the quote and unquote backlash behind the scenes. Shout out to all the people, though, texting, saying they support, but don't know how to say it publicly. Don't worry. I'll do it. LOL. I'm sure you know by now, I don't give a fuck addressing anyone slighting my family. Sis holds her man down. Not mad at it. Because I don't really understand what this collaboration is about. It's very Jay-Z, just to be clear. Jay-Z told us a very long time ago that he's not just a businessman. He's a business man. He's always been about that American USD dollar. He likes them coins. He's told us that a million times on like 10 different albums. He has social justice moments. But Jay-Z is it's like a real life version of Marlo from The Wire. It's pure capitalism. I'll also say this. The NFL, they ain't the first organization that has a problem with black folk that they need to fix. And I totally get why they would reach out to Jay-Z and why he would accept. No one's published the amount that the contract they offered him was, but I'm sure it's a pretty penny. Jay-Z don't come cheap. I know this was a cute check for him. The NFL got long money. And as a business endeavor, it's a cute look. It's a long way for Marcy Projects. I mean, you take the morals and politics out of it. It's a cute look. Which has always been Jay-Z's, like, bottom line. Like, he's hip-hop's first billionaire. 
You thought he was just going to get there and stop? That's very un-Jay-Z-like. So whether you like his decision to pair with the NFL or not, it's very on brand for Jay-Z. That said, the rollout of this collabo is all wrong. And I'm going to point you to another global brand that did it much smarter. Gucci. Because when Gucci got into hot water and they needed to get themselves out of it, they came forth with an actionable plan. Here are the things that we're actively going to do to make amends for the wrong that we've committed. Gucci had details. They had talking points. That's part of the reason so many black folks still wear Gucci. They clean that mess up quick. And let me tell you how. Earlier this year, and we talked about this on a podcast, one of the first episodes, Gucci puts out this god-awful sweater that's inspired by a menstrual act, blackface. What Gucci had going for them at the time of this fuck-up was Dapper Dan, who's beloved, on their payroll. And the reason they had him on said payroll was despite screwing him over, I guess in the 80s, Dapper Dan used to make bootleg Gucci outfits that the rappers used to buy. Gucci hit him with a cease and desist and shut down his business. And then nearly 40 years later, Gucci uses the designs that Dapper Dan made in the 80s on its current runway. There's an outcry. People were very upset with Gucci. How are you going to hurt this man's livelihood and then turn around and use his creativity? Gucci don't want that smoke, especially the way black folks spend money on Gucci. Every hood dude you know got a Gucci belt and some Gucci shoes and a Gucci t-shirt. They don't come cheap either. Gucci puts Dapper Dan on the payroll, gives him his own line in order to stop that first wave of criticism. Later, they turn around with this blackface situation. Dapper Dan, being affiliated with Gucci and on the payroll, steps forth and very candidly and very well says, yes, I work for Gucci. I'm a black man first. This is offensive. Please believe we're going to get this solved in a way that it needs to be solved. He went full Harlem, which I respect. Dapper Dan calls up all his friends, all his black friends who work in fashion. He calls the head of Gucci and he says, you need to come to Harlem and you need to hear us out and our concerns with how you're operating your business, given how much money black folks spend on luxury brands. Head of Gucci comes to Harlem, has this whole sit down with a whole bunch of influential black folk. So he gets all these people in the room. They come up with actionable steps that Gucci can make to make amends for their offense to black culture. They just hired a new global diversity person, which was on their list of things to do. They came out of that meeting. I remember they were looking for people all summer. They'd reached out to like a bunch of like high profile black people and was like, who, you know, who could do this job? They said they were going to get a new diversity person. They said they were going to get training for their employees. They said they were going to bring in a bunch of black fashion people and train them in the Gucci offices so they would know how to work with global fashion brands. So they're putting people on. There were a couple other things. Those are the ones that stand out. But they had actionable steps about what they were going to do to make amends. The NFL and Jay-Z are just telling us about, oh, there's some initiatives and we're going to do some entertainment. We need action steps. 
they just made this vague announcement. Like we have this collaboration and opportunities and potential and entertainment. Like what, what, what is that? What does that mean? Give us details. You want people to get on board with it? You want people to be supportive of what you're doing? You want people to tune into the NFL again? I don't know how effective the boycott was because I know a bunch of people, they were like, oh, there's a boycott? Yeah, mofo. I personally didn't call for one because I don't watch football. So me being like, y'all should boycott football. I have no skin in the game. I would sound crazy. But there was a boycott allegedly in place. And still Travis Scott and Big Boy, who I love. Not Travis, Big Boy, just Big Boy. But Big Boy performed in his fur and I believe a Cadillac. Did I, did I make that up? Was there a Cadillac? On, on the Super Bowl field, I may be making that up. I know there was a fur. I remember the fur well. But there's supposed to be a boycott, but Big Boy was in his fur, fully Atlanta pimped out. That's not the point. The point is, I don't really know what this collaboration is. And Jay-Z deserves all the hell that he's catching because he's not giving any details into what exactly is happening. He seems to want people to be on board with it because he's dropping Colin's name. Even though Colin's team is pulling a full Mariah on some like, I don't know you. We never spoke. Mm. But if you want folks to support what you're trying to do, actually tell them what it is you're trying to do. And don't be out here lying about having conversations with people that you didn't have conversations with. You knew that was going to come back to bite you in the ass. Yeah. Or if you just want the check, it was a good check. You got three kids that are expensive and a wife who needs a bigger house. Just say that shit. Everybody understands. Hove's core audience, folks done grown up. We got good jobs, bills, responsibilities. We understand sometimes you just got to take a check because you need a check. But level with us. Don't be trying to sell us on some like, oh, potential, opportunity, my dude. It was a good look and a money grab. So you took it. You won't be the first. You won't be the last. Just level with us. Don't try to bullshit us. There's been a bunch of rumors that Eddie Murphy was going to return to comedy, which I was very excited about. Like, I think Eddie Murphy is freaking hysterical, completely inappropriate and un-PC, also completely hysterical. He's had some flop movies, but the ones that are good are great and classic. So there's been some talk about this huge, I want to say $70 million deal he was doing with Netflix. Everyone thought, or at least I thought, let me not speak for everyone, I thought that it was going to be a series of stand-ups similar to what Netflix has done with Chappelle and Kevin Hart. And I thought that because on the Netflix platform, Eddie did riding in cars with comedians and he talked about getting back into stand-up. So I just assumed, and you know what people say about assuming, so that's my bad, but I assumed that Netflix was picking him up for stand-up shows. It would turn out that they were picking him up for maybe stand up, but definitely a new movie. Dolomite is my name. The trailer just dropped earlier this week. It's Eddie Murphy as Rudy Ray Moore in the process of filming Dolomite, which I haven't seen Dolomite in 25 years. I want to say I watched it in high school. It's so bad, it's ridiculous that it becomes good. Now I feel like I need to go back and watch Dolomite before I watch Eddie Murphy play Rudy Ray Moore, who's playing Dolomite. Also, Wesley Snipes is in it. 
I can't remember the last time I saw Wesley Snipes in a film. He's a great actor, so I was happy to see him in the trailer. But I was like, oh shit, Wesley Snipes, who's also in Coming to America too. Wait, if Eddie Murphy signed this Netflix deal, does that mean Coming to America 2 will be on Netflix and not in theaters? Because I feel like that's a community event. There are some films that you need to see with other black people to bask in all the blackness. You know what? I'm going to say this, and I know people are going to be like, D, that's not the right thing to say because California has black people. You do. You do. Black people of the West and even black people who are not of Hollywood type, regular, hardworking, mind a business, black people in California. It's not the same as East Coast. Y'all laugh at different shit. It's not that y'all are less black. Y'all just culturally a different kind of black than East Coast black, which makes sense because you're literally on the opposite side of the country. I'm East Coast by culture. Sometimes y'all be laughing at shit and I'm just like, I don't get it. When I tried to go see Amazing Grace on opening weekend and all the theaters were empty, I was like, so wait, y'all don't show up in mass for Aretha Franklin? I don't, I don't understand y'all. And the Aretha Franklin documentary, which I've been, I've watched six times since it came out last week. It was filmed at a church in Southern California. I went to see it opening weekend. The theater was empty. I don't understand. Maybe I went to the wrong theater. I don't, I don't know. West Coast people don't get mad at me. I'm not trying to be offensive. I'm really not. Y'all just different. I'm not saying it's bad. There are many ways in which you're absolutely lovely. And I've moved among the West to learn your ways. That I'm still real East Coast. Although I think my accent is going away. You saw the season finale of The Handmaid's Tale? If you didn't, you might just want to log off right now because I'm about to like spoil everything. That was some good ass TV. Now, I haven't been recapping The Handmaid's Tale for most of the season. I'll talk about it here and there. But most of this season has been dry. Very, very dry. I have not been enjoying it. I tune in because I've watched this far and I'm rooting for June. But I'm really just like I respect the DP. I love the director of photography. The shots on this show, the angles, as an amateur photographer, I love the angles. I love the way this show is shot. It's beautifully shot. But the plot has been very slow and very boring this entire season. That said, these last three episodes, whoever wrote these last three episodes should have wrote the whole season. And by God, I hope they write all of next season. Because these last three episodes have been nonstop, action-packed, can't look away. It was looking like a final season GOT situation, but these last three episodes redeemed the whole season, especially last night. Your girl June snapped. It started when she went off on Zaddy Commander. Bearded Zaddy, he came back from the meeting and was like, yeah, a Martha and a child were spotted. I'm calling this whole thing off. I'm pulling the plug. I've made my decision. June was like, um... It's not your decision, FYI. You're not in charge. I am. June went full, I am the captain now. Then she told Sir, she was like, look, I got one job for you. You can go find a map so we can get to this airplane and get all these children there safely. Thanks and good day. He was like, this is my house. But he went to find that map though. June did have a gun. That'll make people rethink their bark. I'm just saying. Also, some details came out in that conversation that I wasn't clear on about Gilead. 
They're cutting women's clits off in Gilead? Really? We're doing, we're doing female circumcision in Gilead. Really? Who thought that was a good idea? I don't understand why men would want to have sex with a woman who's not enjoying it. But I guess if they feel like if a woman enjoys sex, she's more likely to cheat. Mm-hmm. You want to have sex with a mutilated vagina? This is your choice in life. I guess. A lot of countries in real world do it. I just, I don't understand it. I want to be respectful of folks' cultural practices. I really do. But that one, that, that's, that baffles me. You know, I've been hard on June for most of this season. Chick gets on my nerves. She's been spending most of this season doing these like hard stares into the camera, pretending to be a badass when really she's just reckless and getting people killed because she don't know what she's doing. But last night, she pulled some shit off. I didn't know June had it in her. I really didn't. I'd given up hope on June. I thought she was just an annoying white woman. June should have been hanging on the wall for all the crap she's done. But that heist with the kids, sis stole like a hundred kids and sent them to Canada. She's a G. I got to give credit where it's due. June is a baby mama who's harder than a lot of these. I don't have to use the word. You know the verse. You should be familiar by now. She stabbed Stabler a couple episodes ago with a pen. She stabbed a mofo to death with a pen. I was like, damn, June. This week, she's pulling guns on multiple people. Shot one at point blank range and ain't feel bad about it. Did what she had to do. Chick is wild. I didn't know. But she saved them kids, though. June got her own little underground railroad going on. She pulled off a whole Harriet Tubman with 100 babies. Was it 100? I have no sense of counting crowds. I know it was more than 50 that was planned. It could have been 75. I want to say 100, though. It was a lot of damn kids. To get through the forest and be quiet? I was like, this is only in TV. She got them kids out of Gilead, though. I wish Hannah could have made it. But if Hannah was there, I felt like June would have just got on the plane and left and that would be the end of the show. And as much as I complain about this show, I actually genuinely like it, especially these last three episodes. I'm like, oh, we're back to season one writing again. This is why I started watching. I wish Daddy Commander had made it out. He seemed to genuinely feel bad about the things that he's done in orchestrating Gilead. And then his wife killing herself. I mean, that's a hefty price to pay. Not that he didn't owe it. I understand why he didn't leave, but he seemed to be trying to make amends in a small way for the gigantic fuck up that is Gilead. He tried, but I also respect that he was like, I need to stay and pay the price for what I've done. He was an ain't shit man on the front end, but he's a stand up man on the back end. I respect that. I usually don't cry over TV. But last night, I was all boohoos, completely boohoos. When Sister Rita, the Martha, when she got to Canada and she started crying, I was like, look at this black woman getting free. I was moved. I was touched. When the little girl in the plane, the one that June had been fawning over, also the little girl that June pulled a gun on, but neither here nor there. When Poussey came on the airplane to introduce herself and she was like, Are we at the place where I get to wear what I want? Lost it. I swear I'm not a crier in general. I used to not be. I cry all the time now. Like the littlest things. I'm just full of emotion and feelings. Like this is new for me. You got to work with me sometimes. 
even still, I don't really cry all like that, but I cried and cried and cried last night. All those little hopeful faces of lost children arriving in Canada and getting their freedom in my feelings. When June told Rita to watch over the little girl and Rita knew that June was about to go do some crazy shit, suicide mission essentially, cried. June get on my nerves. She really does. She's entitled. She's frustrating. She's reckless. She can be the absolute worst of white women. And for some reason, I just do not want her to die. I don't know why I'm so attached to June. Am I colonized? Also, June is going to be insufferable next season. When she was being carted away at the end by the other handmaidens, and she was quoting some Bible verse about leading people to the land of milk and honey. I don't know what scripture that is. But if you think June is not going to have a God complex after she's pulled off this stunt, you don't know June. June about to be extra as fuck next season. I'm excited. I just don't know where this plot is going to go. The handmaidens that didn't leave, especially June, how are you going to escape persecution? Because if June dies, I feel like the show is over. So she can't, but I'm like, it's unrealistic that she doesn't. Like at a very bare minimum, how does she get medical attention without alerting people that she was involved in this shenanigans of like a hundred missing children. Like it's daylight when the other handmaids go and get her. People would have woken up and realized their children were gone. All hell is about to break loose. Mm. I don't know what they're going to do, but I know I'll be tuned in to see whatever it is. Almost last, but not least, the commander turned on Serena, which doesn't shock me. And really, your wife just sold you out, so you owe her no loyalty. But he was like, so, you know that Serena had arranged a rape. And then, when when the Canadian authorities confront Serena, they're like, ma'am, you forced your handmaid to have sex with your driver in order to conceive the child that you're trying to claim as yours. Serena's so far gone, she didn't even deny the charges. She was like, but they were in a relationship. Now, ma'am, that's not how this works. You did indeed force them to have the sex in order to produce the child that you wanted because your husband was shooting blanks. I'm actually shocked that Serena genuinely thought that she was going to be one of the architects of Gilead to lay the foundation for the whole thing to happen, to actively participate in a rape, to be an arsonist, to steal another woman's baby, to beat the shit out of June, to backstab her on multiple occasions, and somehow she thought she was going to get away with all of it? She was going to go to Canada and she was going to sell out her husband and then she was going to get an hour a week with her kid and occasional freedom? She just thought that was it? That's some white woman shit right there. My God, lady. Seriously? Serena's a war criminal. She doesn't see herself as such, but ma'am. And I ain't feel the least bit bad about her. She was upset they were taking the baby. And she's like, what do you mean? I have immunity. Like, what are you saying to me? Like, I was, I, I was under Gilead State. Like, if I didn't participate, I could have been executed. Ma'am, you were a willful, active, enthusiastic 
participant in a whole bunch of shit. You ain't nobody's victim. You liked it. You wanted it. You enjoyed it. Serena is to Handmaid's Tale what Joffrey was to Game of Thrones. Good written, Teffa. What you about to get is everything you deserve. Good day. So yeah, those are my thoughts for the week. I have no more. I've run out. I'm fresh out of thoughts like Chris Cuomo was fresh out of fucks. I can't promise next week. I'm going to try my best. I am traveling. I have not decided whether I'm taking my podcast equipment or not because I have a very full schedule and I don't know how long I'm going to be in Accra. I'll be back before the visa is up so I don't get kicked out the country. I haven't run off in a while because I've been trying to get this apartment together. I just thought it would be like weird to go bouncing around God's green earth and I don't have a bed to sleep on. It took forever for that damn bed to come. However, there is a bed. There is a couch. There's a kitchen table with no chairs. So I'm not going to have chairs, but I'm going to go bounce around Africa for a while. I think. I hope. We'll see. That's the plan. I'll let you know. If you follow me on Instagram, I'll let you know about next week's podcast and then possibly the week after. I don't plan to be gone for more than three weeks this time. I'm looking forward to this trip. It's much, much needed. I didn't go away for my 40th. I just didn't feel like it. And I just spent a ton of money buying furniture. I moved here with a desk, a bench, and a trunk. Literally, that's all the furniture that I came with. Put an entire house together in four months. It felt like forever, but I guess that's pretty impressive, at least to me. Small wins. You got you to gotta count them all. This is my first international trip, actually, of the year, isn't it? That's crazy. Last year, I went to like 10 countries. This year is like one. That's nuts. But I did move. I've been to a bunch of cities. That's got to count for something. I've been in grind mode. There are years to grind. And there are years to relax. This is a grind year for me. All right. That is everything. We'll talk soon. If you need some ratchet and respectable in your life in between episodes, you can always follow me on social media. Instagram and Facebook are the best at Demetria L. Lucas. So thanks much for tuning in to this episode and all of the episodes. Greatly appreciated. So that's everything. And we'll talk again. Not quite sure when. Okay. Bye. Still, you may.